Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we've got a Patreon. Um, it's at patreon.com slash I Love That Movie. My content's always free. Uh, the only benefits are if you do subscribe to our Patreon $5 or more a month, you get an extra bonus episode of like my weekly roundups of everything else that I keep up with during the week. So um, I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons. Uh, Chris Balga, Jeff Widman, Michael Cross, and Joseph George. Again, guys, thank you so much for all that you do. Um, we also have a Teespring in case you want any I Love That Movie swag. And we've got a Discord group and Facebook group if you guys want to chime in um, and just discuss movies with other movie lovers. My only rule in there is please keep it positive. But it's a lot of fun. Definitely join us on there. Um, I've got a returning guest here today. I've got Kelly. Say hi, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, you were on our Meet Me in St. Louis episode last year. Yes. Which was super fun. Oh, it's so much fun. You guys have to go back and listen to that one. It's really cool. Um, Kelly, in case people haven't heard you on the podcast before, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit? I'd be happy to. So my name is Kelly Kitchens. Uh, I am also Kelly Kitchens Wickersham, which is my married name. I go by Kelly Kitchens um, in my business, which I will be celebrating my 25th anniversary of awesome. being in business for myself in April, on April 1st. That's huge. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's why I had to keep kitchens, um, you know, uh, anyway, so, but yes, I am a film publicist in Dallas, Texas, and, um, I am a, I love classic films. I love films of all, all natures, um, documentaries and foreign films and, uh, independent films. And I love working with, with filmmakers who are just getting their, getting their start in, in, uh, in the film festival circuits. Um, That's probably my favorite thing to do is work on film festivals with filmmakers who are, are making their way through the circuit uh, and introducing them to the press and uh, anybody else who, who might help put butts in seats <laughs> for their film. So that's, uh, that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. Right, and we've worked together a little bit in the yes. past. You've given me amazing opportunities to cover some of these film festivals and meet some of these filmmakers. So yes. I'm always excited when I get you on the show, though. <laughs> You're like the top guest. <laughs> wow! <laughs> um, so, Kelly, you have basically uh, an encyclopedic knowledge, I would say, of classic film. You're like, oh, setting it up. But <laughs> oh, dear. I'm putting you on the spot. 
because <laughs> um, you go to the the Turner Classic Film Festival every year, right? Yes. Then yeah. April will be our eleventh wow, year of going. I can't believe it. It's the 11th time they've had it. It'll be our 11th year going. And uh, it's just amazing. We have met so many people from all over the country and actually all over the world because of that festival. And we've become friends and uh, we keep in touch on our Facebook page, which is called Going to TCM Classic Film Festival. And that page is was really specifically meant for people going to that festival. Yeah. But others can join in. Workers if, like me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You should join us. I should. And um, because it, it will really make you want to go. Yeah. Well, I love, I always see your pictures on social media uh, of, of, you know, I, I love your hats that oh, you always yeah. have. Um, but yeah, it looks super fun. And so I feel like you're the perfect person to talk about this movie with yes. uh, what our guest always chooses the movie. So what, what movie did you want to talk about? I chose It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. I'm so excited. <laughs> you know that I, I, and we probably haven't talked about this, but almost every year I'm like hoping someone will pick it. Oh, really? And so when we started kind of going back and forth about your personal connection with it, I was yes. like, oh my gosh, I know it's already Christmas has passed, but uh, let's just do that's it okay. Anyway. That's okay. <laughs> so I'm so glad that you picked it. Thank you. I, you know, it's funny because it's one of those films where you think, oh, so surely somebody has talked about it. Yeah, you know, yeah, people sure, say that surely, all the time. <laughs> you know, surely somebody yeah. has talked about it. But since they haven't, and since I, um, uh, and you mentioned my personal connection, I, I uh, wish that I actually had a personal personal connection to the film, but I have a personal connection to the the uh, not not the making of the film but to the film in general yeah, yeah. i guess is what we'll say um but in, there's just so many i let me give me this say when i first yeah I first yeah, saw that, it? Okay. yeah we're getting to the part where we're gonna ask kelly when did you first see this movie okay so when i was a kid um it was in public domain Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it, we didn't have cable growing up, uh, but it would, it didn't matter because it was on every channel Yeah. anyway. <laughs> and so I was able to watch it. I can't tell you the first time I saw it, but because it was, I had to be really young. Um, I start, I, I first got into classic film, not knowing there were classic films because they were new to me. Sure. Yeah. You know, which, <laughs> hello, that's why you should look at a film is, is if it's new to you, then it's a new film. Anyway. Um, but my mother, um, very blessed to have a mother that would, um, if a film was playing at like, for instance, I'll give you a, for instance, um, uh, there was a, um, a re-release of Sound of Music when I was five. Mm -hmm. And my mother took me to the theater to see that re-release of Sound of Music. And I connected with it because, if you remember, in Sound of Music, there, uh, Gretel, the the youngest of the seven kids, she says that she's five. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's a little girl who's like me Mm -hmm. up up on the screen. And that just really, it gives me chills just thinking about it because it was, it was a turning point of making me see myself, even though that film was made in 1965, uh, four, five. 
And, um, and it was about a family in Austria in the 1930s trying not to be, you know, taken over by the Nazis. And so, but I still, I saw myself as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as a five-year-old, here's, here's a little girl like me. And so that was really kind of that and seeing the Wizard of Oz and, and, um, and Gone with the Wind on TV every year. And also Sound of Music was one of those that came on every year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, seeing those films on TV, you know, just it's it's it started that I want to know more I want to see more I want to and so it's a wonderful life came you know it's in public domain so every channel could could show it and not have to pay anybody right for it right (laughs) because that's what public domain means and so they did they would play it and you could sometimes see it several times a year and you know and of course I was fighting my, you know, not fighting, but, you know, my dad, of course, took over the TV downstairs, and my brother usually had had the TV on upstairs, and so I was having to sort of, you know, see when it's on when in between of everything, <laughs> and so I'd, I'd always circle the TV schedule when it would come in the paper Aww. every Sunday to, you know, it's like, okay, when when are my Christmas specials on? And, um, and so seeing it so many times... It has, it, you can take it as, I love to watch a film. If I've seen a film many times, I love to watch it from a different character's point of view. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And so this is not just a film about George Bailey. True. Yeah. Because you know what? Mary is the one who makes everything happen for George. She does. I mean, I think she's his moral compass, the whole story. But I think in a stronger way than sometimes female leads tended to be back then. I think I think it's yes. a really strong part of his life. Yeah. So when she when they're kids and he's serving her ice cream at the ice on the ice cream fountain, and you know she whispers in his bad ear, she says, "I love you, George Bailey, until the day I die." She sets in motion, even though he doesn't hear her doesn't matter Mm -hmm. it's in the zeitgeist it's out there and she sets in motion the entire the entire film the his entire life Mm -hmm. and so even though she goes away to college and she works you know for sam wainwright in new york and she comes back and then everything that is put into motion is really put there by mary and i i'm just always so struck by that mm-hmm. um, because it's very subtle. Yeah. It's very, um, and it's just very aha. It's very a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, just let me remind you that, like, when when they get married and they're in the taxi and they're heading to, to the train station to go on their big European trip. Yeah. And they have $2,000. And she's like, oh, I feel like a bootlegger's wife. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and this was in the time of yeah. when, you know, it was that part was 1930, mm-hmm. 1931-ish. Um, so it was prohibition was going on during that time. And um, uh, and so but she has $2,000 in her hand. And they notice that there's a run on the bank. 
And they said, Arnie says, oh, don't look now, but, you know, I, th I think that must be what they call a run on the bank. And and then George is like, oh, no, let me go see what's happening with the building and loan. And Mary's like, oh, George, please don't go. Please don't go. He does because that's who he is. Mm -hmm. But then who Mary is is so George is in the middle of telling everybody, you know, the exactly what the building and loans purpose is is to bring money in so that their neighbors can can loan that money or you borrow that money and build their own house mm -hmm. and so the money is not there in right. in in their vault right and so but mary comes in and she's and everybody's like going oh i'm going to run over to the bank to potter because Potter's guaranteeing, uh, guaranteeing fifty cents on the dollar, mm -hmm. and so you know George is like frantic, like, "Oh, please don't do this! Please don't do this!" Because the building and loan is the only thing that that Mr. Potter doesn't have in right. Bedford Falls, right? Mm -hmm. And so, what does Mary do? Mary says, "I have two thousand dollars here," and George is like, "We've got two thousand dollars." And all of a sudden, it's like they're a team. And so she presents it. George takes it and runs with it. And then at the end of the night, you know, right, you know, one minute to, to six o'clock when they're, when they're closing their doors, they have $2 left. Yeah. And, you know, and so that set that into motion. And then setting into motion, you know, because Mary left. Mm -hmm. She left to leave him to do what he had to do at the building alone. And then she said, there's no way we're going to catch our train to go to New York and then go overseas. So she wanted to create that environment for him there in Bedford Falls inside the Granville mansion, the old, the old thing that's, that's falling apart and it's raining and, you know, dripping inside the house and et cetera, et cetera. And so, I mean, she's really the one that, that gets that all in motion. And it's just, I, so if you really watch the film and you're focused on Mary, it turns into a different film. Mm -hmm. I mean, when she, when they are there in the martinis, are getting there they're moving out of part of Pottersville they're renting they're not having to pay rent to Pottersville Potter anymore they're moving into their new house she is there to welcome them into their new house even with Sam Rain Wainwright in the limousine down the street trying to call them away to come with them to Florida mm -hmm. and she's like oh no no we're not going to do that this is we're going to celebrate this mm -hmm. this is worth celebrating Mm -hmm. And, you know, George would have wanted to leave at that moment. He go, wants to leave the whole movie, right? Yeah, he wants to, <laughs> he wants to leave. Yeah, he, he uh, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, does he ever make it out of Bedford Falls? And, you know, not that we know of. Right. But you know what? He didn't really have to because he's got Mary right there mm -hmm. who is with him every step of the way. And can I just tell you? I don't, I, thinking about this film, and I'm sure that you have seen this film at least once or 30 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's impossible to be alive right now and not have seen it before. <laughs> if you have not, please go see it. I know we've discussed some 
spoilers, but hey, this movie came out in 1947, uh, yes. so you had plenty of time. Yes. Um, Actually, yeah. it was 46. 46. It was, oh. it was December of 46. Oh, okay. It, it came out like December 12th. Or something. Mm-hmm. It was right before Christmas. I mean, they don't really know what to do with it. We'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay, we'll <laughs> get there. So, but I want you to say, I want you to notice, and this is kind of a throwaway line at the end when, you know, when George has had his transformation. And I'll, uh, if you haven't seen it, I'll let you go, go with him on that journey through that transformation where Mary is not there. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end, when he realizes what what he has and what his life really is all about, um, again, there is a telegram that comes from Sam Wainwright, mm-hmm. and it said, and and somebody's reading it, and it says, "Mary says you need help. My office is authorized to send you up to twenty. $25,000. It was Mary, yeah. again, who said, oh, and, and you'll hear people say, oh, Mary came and said, you need help. Mary, Mary said, you need help. So while George is on this journey, he feels like by himself, Mary is mobilized mm-hmm. to, make, to make the change, yeah. to make it all work out for George. And the thing is about all of this is that to know that you are not here alone. Yeah. You are, you, people are in in your corner. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be your husband or your wife. Yeah, because I think the whole town, I mean, there's several examples throughout the movie of the entire town, you know, being there for him because they were, Mm -hmm. he was there for them, they're also there for him. Maybe not always matched in the same way that he's able to do. Right. But through their own ways, they, it's like you invest in people and they give back. And I think right. maybe my personal, you know, belief is in that. Right. And so the movie just really, it, it makes me emotional because that's, that's what I think. And I think that's the lesson he's learning. He's so jealous of everybody else yeah. because they're getting these accomplishments and things that he's not getting, but he doesn't realize that investing in people, you know, is, is really what, ends up benefiting him in the end. Yes, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So I really encourage you to, I hope this makes you, you know, itch to see it again. <laughs> because seriously, it's it, it becomes a different film mm-hmm. when you look at it from her point of view. Sure. And you watch it with her, w- with her in mind the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, the, it's, it is truly one of my favorite films films and you know and it I, I i almost feel like it's kind of a um uh well of course you like classic film of course it's your you know it's <laughs> one of your favorite films but it's because there is so much embedded in it uh like that so um so anyway that's and then it's it's just kind of become um it's become one of those things that i always look for I look, I'm constantly looking for uh, ornaments. I'm constantly looking for things that, that were, um, that sort of said that because each, each Christmas um, I would try to find something that, that uh, signified um, 
uh, my life or, you know, our year together or, you know, things like that. And it, I just always keep coming back to, to It's a Wonderful Life. And so, yeah, and the reason I, I corrected you with it, with saying it was um, 2000, I mean, it was 1946, 1946 is because um, Mark and I got married in 2006. Oh, okay. So you would know. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, you know, that's the 60th anniversary of the film. Wow. We got, uh, we got married in October. And I had this little ornament um, that um, that looks like the outside of a movie theater, which I'm, you know, one of my main passions in life besides classic films is is movie palaces and mm-hmm. old movie theaters and trying to save them. And this looks like a, a uh, an ornament that that would be. Not an ornament, but a a window that would hold the poster um, because it says, Now Playing, It's a Wonderful Life. And it has the picture of George holding Mary, uh, where she's kicking her heels up at the dance um, in in the the high school gym. And, um, And so I love that notion of now playing. It's a Wonderful Life. Because if you think about it, your life is completely always now playing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a big theme of the film, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like everything that happens to George is wonderful. It's not just the good times um, or the bad. It's all of it is, you know, one thing. And he needed sometimes bad things to happen for good things to happen. Absolutely. And, yeah, so and I, we all I, do. I like yeah. We all do. Uh, we we survived the the tornado in in October. Uh, it was October twentieth, two two days before our thirteenth anniversary. I saw that. Ugh. And you know, but we, what a blessing it has become because you know we we were we had trees go down all around our house, but not hit our house. Oh wow! And I mean, you know, yes, other people had lots of destruction. But, you know, our neighborhood, our neighbors came out in force to make sure that everybody was okay uh, when they couldn't come to our front door because there were trees covering oh our entire gosh. front, the front of our house. We could barely open our screen door like six inches. That's how that's how close the, all the trees came to, to our front door, to our house. Yeah. They didn't take down any of our windows or anything. So strange. And just... But neighbors were coming out that we rarely see. And to make sure we were okay. And we have all really kind of come together. We've lived here for 13 years. Wow. You know, and so it's we've just been, we've had so many blessings. And you really, it's so important to look for them. I agree. they're yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Because they are there. Yeah. They will be there. Even if you're going through a very dark time. It's like there's so many, there's so many people who care about you that you don't even know care about mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. I love being reminded of that even when, you know, you've kind of gone through a crappy time. Yeah, I mean, because (laughs) I think when this movie came out, one of the comments people had at the time was it was right after World War II. Mm -hmm. And they felt that some of the themes in the movie were a little too heavy, a little too sad. And that's actually what I like about the movie is that 
it's got such an optimistic worldview despite all the dark things that happen in the movie, including like an attempted suicide, which is like not yeah. something you'd normally think of in a Christmas movie. You right, know? right. So um, I, I just, I like it for that reason. I, I don't think that I remember the first time I saw it either mm-hmm. because kind of like you're saying, it, it's always been on TV and right. it plays constantly. And so it's kind of like hard to remember like how old I would have been right, when I first saw right, it. Right, right, um, I remember always liking it as a, as a child, but I think as I've gotten older, it's to the point where it's become so nostalgic for me that like the second it starts playing, I'm like holding back tears. Oh, like, yeah. it, it makes me very emotional to watch it even oh, now. Yeah. Yeah. And I make sure I watch it every year. And I remember a while back, it's funny you're talking about Mary because... I've seen people, or I've gotten into discussions with people like online where they say they don't like the George Bailey character and that they think he's like overly myopic and selfish. And I'm like, well, I mean, first of all, he's not. Because if you look at throughout his life, all the things he did, he, it was very selfless. But yes. he had a bad moment. Like literally everybody's going to have yes, a bad moment. Absolutely. Right? And so you don't want to be defined by one moment in your life, number one. And then number two, I think they're missing the point. The point is that for a moment he did forget everybody else and that's his lesson. So I just, I think it's strange when people view it a different way and maybe thinking about it through Mary's eyes could, could help. Yeah, that, could know? help change that. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> oh, go ahead. Oh, I was <clears throat> just going to say, I... Um, so thinking about it being the 60th anniversary and uh, and our wedding that was coming up, I decided that I wanted to have a classic movie-themed wedding. Now, of course, my mother was like, Kelly, <laughs> you, the theme of your wedding is your wedding. It's forever. <laughs> and I was forever. And I was like, but mom, I can have a theme if I want to. And so, anyway, that was that was a little uh, back and forth between me, me and my mom. And yes, I I'm, think that's relatable for pretty much everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you have ideas. My parents were not crazy about the like Dia de los Muertos oh. cake toppers I had. They were like, "How morbid," you know. Like, so they kind of yes, had to get on you. board with some of that. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. But um, you know, but we, I had a friend who took that little ornament that I was telling you about, mm-hmm. and he created a movie poster, a watercolor movie poster. That's incredible. For Mark and I, and changed changed Jimmy Stewart's face to Mark's face and changed Donna Reed's face to my face. Aww. And that's what we used as our invitations. That's awesome. And so we've got that. That is That watercolor poster is our our most treasured um, object in our house. Um, and it's, it, it is, it, it's just beautiful. And then, you know, we had created a, um, a, a, a yard ornament, I guess you call it, a yard art ornament um, for our yard at Christmas time that is a replica, uh, not exactly, but, to- but, but close, uh, to what that poster is, so Aww. so I have I try to have a all it's a wonderful life theme during Christmas, but it's not just Christmas. If you come over to our house, you'll see it's wonderful life stuff everywhere, all year long. <laughs> I love that. That's so perfect. Yeah, I mean, when I saw that, that's actually what started our conversation. Is I saw 
the, the lawn ornament. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, actually, look a little closer. And I was like, okay, now we have to do the episode. Yes! Something yes! I've, I've known you for, you know, I think a couple of years yeah. now. I didn't even know that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's that's amazing. Yeah. So I guess, you know, we, we've talked about this a little bit already. But just in case you haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life, I'm going to read the synopsis of sure, it. Sure, go ahead. Okay, so here we go. George Bailey has so many problems that he's thinking about ending it all. As the angels discuss George, we see his life in flashback. As George is about to jump off the bridge, he ends up being rescued by a guardian angel, Clarence, who then shows George what his town would have looked like if he hadn't been for all his good deeds over the years. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and it's it's amazing to really consider what other people's lives may have been yeah the impact of one person on literally an entire town yes and it just got but it goes to show what what your life Mm -hmm. if you hadn't been here if you hadn't have been you know touched all the people that you've touched right you know it it's it's really can really be overwhelming in a good way right right and i really hope that people can take that as part of the lesson which uh, that's not quite quite the right word but but you know just part of what the what the story has to say right no I completely agree that's that's uh, again like I, I told you like I I'm tearing up pretty much in several scenes, yeah, same here but um I have a couple quick facts I want to throw out okay. and I'm sure you have some as well or if you want to jump into okay uh the first one that I had was that director Frank Capra often said that this was his favorite film. Yes, that he I heard directed. that. Yeah. And um, a couple of things. So originally, and Mark and I just discovered this film that he was originally going to do was called um, It Happened on Fifth Avenue. Oh, okay. Which is another Christmas, Christmas film. Um, and I highly recommend watching it as a companion to this film. It's not a Capra film, but you can see how it could have been. Yeah, the elements that he would have looked for. Yeah. Because I think at the time, you know, he was a really, he was famous by this point. Oh, yeah. But he was sort of looked at as someone that consistently picked very positive themes and movies and so what do they call his movies like Capricorn Capricorn (laughs) yes so it's like I mean but he had just gotten back he had just gotten back from World War II as well yeah he and uh four or five five um other filmmakers had gone to World War II had participated in it, had documented a lot of it. And these were people like George Stevens and, mm-hmm. and John Ford and uh, forgetting some of the others. But And they were profoundly changed by how they did their, their work mm-hmm. when they got back. And so, and Capra talked to uh, Lionel Barrymore and, um, you know, he played Mr. Potter. Um, and Lionel Barrymore was the one who convinced um, J- uh, Jimmy Stewart to be in this film because he didn't want to do it. Right. He had also just gotten back. He had correct? just gotten yeah. back. And mm-hmm. he was a decorated decorated pilot mm-hmm. in World War Two. World War and, I mean, you know, they can you imagine what they saw? Right. I mean, because... You know, 
the death and destruction of, of so so much over overseas. Yeah. And um and so I I'm so grateful that you know Lionel Barrymore and and Frank Capra convinced Jimmy Stewart to do this because um Cary Grant was approached to do the role. Oh really? Can you imagine? That would have been a very different film. I think so because, you know, when I was watching the special features, they were talking about how, you know, Jimmy Stewart had this quality of, like, you see him and he's just so incredibly likable. Yeah. I mean, I like him. I yeah. like his movies a lot. Yeah, I do too. Um, and he's but, an everyman. Yeah, he looks like an ordinary guy. And I yeah. think that's important for the story, whereas Cary Grant is, like, it's so Cary handsome. Grant. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so gorgeous. Right. And also the fact that he's got sort of a darker side that you have to see... And I feel like that has to be jarring because mm-hmm. it's like you're seeing this really good person and then you're seeing them go into this sort of darker uh, mode when they're having a, a rough time. And he plays both those parts so well. Yeah. It's hard to imagine. Like somebody that you're going to forgive later that has this really ugly moment and then yeah. but you're still on board with him. I think that's challenging yeah, to, yeah. to we, find someone yeah, like that. That's a good yeah. way to put it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really incredible um, that that the people that came together to do this just a year after the war. I mean, yeah. you know, because it ended in 1945. They were making it in 1946. It so And it hit the theaters. But it was kind of a throwaway film. Mm-hmm. They didn't really know what to do with it. It was right. not... A, they were not marketing it as a Christmas film. It was being marketed as a romance. And, you know, it, it was kind of like... They miss the marketing team missed the mark on this. Yeah, really, it happens sometimes, and it really can affect how it yeah. is received. Yeah, and it wasn't received well. Right, it wasn't, and that's why they let the they let the copyright go, and why it went into public domain. We're so lucky they did. I know, you know because it it really found its audience on TV. Yeah. Once once people were able to s- sit down and see it multiple times Mm -hmm. and you know in the 70s you know it's like if you think about it there there were I mean you know I had friends who had cable we did not have cable we did not have a VCR we did not you know you watch what was on TV when it was on TV (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean there's been several movies that have changed because of home release Mm -hmm. you know in some ways and I mean this is even I guess before that in a way I mean it was possible, but most people right. were just watching what's on TV. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and that was a very, it was a very different um, feel to it because you you literally had to schedule your TV time around when the TV when the shows were on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like using, we talk about here a lot about like using TV guides and yes! stuff like that. And it's like oh, yeah. so weird to think about now. Now it like literally doesn't matter. It's like whenever you want to watch a movie, you can. But, right, right. But back then, yeah, you're kind of uh, limited to when mm-hmm. it came on. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you already said my Lionel Barrymore Oh, fact, okay. Oh, which was good. Thank okay. you. Uh, <laughs> another one I had was that the Martinis are based on director Frank Capra's own family. Yes. Who immigrated from Sicily in 1903. Yes. Uh, in the movie, a goat accompanies them in their car, and Capra means goat in Italian. Yes. So I like that. <laughs> yes. I didn't know that Capra means goat. 
Thank you. Wow. See, I learned something new. I love that. <laughs> That's so great. That's so awesome. Yeah. And the only other thing, I don't always add these at the end, but I do want to highlight just that this movie was nominated for so many Oscars that it did not get, yeah. uh, including Best Picture, Best Actor in a Leading Role, obviously, Jimmy Stewart, uh, Best Director, Best Sound Recording, and Best Film Editing. I think the only one it did win was Special, special effects, effects for the snow. And the yeah. snow, I mean, you know, we look at it now and it's like, it's kind of sudding, sudsing up, so, you know, it's like, mm. But back then, I mean, this was apparently a really hot... Um, yeah, it was like June yeah. when it was filmed. And it's not anywhere close to where the setting is supposed to be. The setting's kind of in a Connecticut, New Hampshire, you know, some, somewhere around there. Right, and, right. And in Christmas time, instead, it's actually on a giant 40-acre ranch... Uh, where they built the entire town, and it was like I think at the time the biggest set that they had ever built. I, think I mean, so. it's a huge city, I and then so. it's June, and it's like literally a heat wave. Like they said, some nights were like a hundred degrees. It's not crazy, and so and, I, that's, and, and yeah. not much air conditioning. Right. I mean, you know, right. not every home or every every place had air conditioning, especially on this ranch where they're filming. I'm sure there was like uh, yeah. no air conditioning, and the lights, the 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 yeah. the stage lights are so hot. So. It's, yeah, there's a lot going on um, that that you don't see. And how lovely that you don't see that you, the characters are acting cold. You yeah. know, they're acting. <laughs> yeah, that literally never occurred to me. I mean, sure, like you're saying, some of the snow looks not 100% real life. And I can suspend yes. this belief because yes. it's a movie. But to know that the whole thing is a set, like some of those things are not obvious. Um, I think the scene where... He almost jumps. Um, the 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 bridge is you know a set, uh-huh. but then next to him, like the, the taller part of the bridge is actually just a painting. Like there's yeah. so many special effects in the movie that they don't stand out to you because it's not like you're watching you know science fiction or something. Right. So right. I love movies like that where the special effects are subtle and they play into the plot so well, yes. and they're not noticeable. Yes. It's almost like you're doing it thanklessly because you know people couldn't even tell. Right. Um, right. But that means they're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many details. Like I think I was watching the restoration uh, special feature on on the copy that I have. And, you know, the movie was filmed on nitrate, which is pretty yes. high in silver, and that's where you get the silver screen. Yes. Um, but they were saying that because of that, it degrades a lot more over time, and so they had to spend a lot of time, you know, restoring it back to its former glory. And then they noticed even more details that the director put in the movie that you couldn't see before. Right. Like, uh, there's some scenes where they're talking and they're breathing, and you can see their breath. And again, it's 100 degrees outside. Right. Like, you know, these are things, little tiny attention to detail that Capra really cared about. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that is because he and his uh, fellow directors created Liberty Films, mm-hmm. which would give them the uh, freedom to do whatever they wanted. The because, liberty. Yes. Yeah. The liberty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And, and, and it's funny because it's I didn't know that, but it's so iconic, that Liberty Bell that, that you Liberty see Bell. at the beginning. Right. Um, but right. because of that, that's why this is so detailed. Because when you think about it, if I think if it were uh, more studio controlled, there were so many things that they would probably cut back on, especially knowing that it didn't end up being super profitable. I mean, it's a huge risk, but something that an artist would care about. Well, you know? and it's a long film. That's true. And, you know, I mean, you have to think about what the studios were, were concerned with was how many, how many show, how many, um, 
uh, showings can we get into a day? Right. Yeah. So they're thinking about box office, obviously, right? And so, you know, and it's like, what, how, how long? I don't know how long it is. I think it it's is. about two hours. It's, it's, li- it's over little, two a hours. Over two hours. It's, I want to say two and a half hours. Um, two hours and ten minutes. Two hours and ten, two hours and ten minutes? Yeah, I think, I think they had to cut it down because um, I was watching another special feature where there's some extra, like, um, beautiful shots that they couldn't even include, like mm-hmm. Potter's Mansion and oh, yeah. um, and the Bailey House, and just these really cool miniatures they created that look really awesome. But they just they cut them for time, right? Because right, it was so long, yeah. Right. Ugh. So anyway, so when are you watching it next? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta watch it right now. Um, but yeah, those those are my quick facts, and I think. We've already kind of started talking about some of the scenes, but uh, if you want to weave in, like, you know, what what are some some highlighted ones that we haven't talked about yet? Oh boy, I know, um, it's daunting. <laughs> well, you know, because they're, they're just, um, I lo- I love the scene of the kids. Uh, you know, when they're when when he is when George Bailey is a kid, and you know, and they're setting up who he is with his brother and the other kids in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we meet Violet Bick, who is kind of Mary's rival, and you know, and when we meet her um, at the the um, the soda fountain, and and she says, I like him. And Mary says, well, you like all the boys. And which one with that? So cute. <laughs> but that sets up so perfectly what, you know, what all is going to happen. And you think, oh, my gosh, of course she's going to be, you know, she's going to be sort of the rival mm-hmm. person that wants George. Um, but she can have all the boys or, all, you know, all the men. And, and they make that that obvious. I think that's that's really fascinating. Um, uh, but I love, I, I love the scenes with, um, with George and Mary at the beginning where they are coming back from, from the, from the dance that, you know, first of all, he didn't want to go to the dance. He's like, oh, there's just be a bunch of kids there. Cause he's already graduated high school like four years, you know, ago. Okay. And I was his wondering brother, what their age difference was. Cause when yeah. they're little, they look about the same age. So I kind of got it, confused as to. Yeah. They're four years different oh, okay. in age. And so the idea was that George was going to work at the building and loan for four years, and then he would go off to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's about to leave when to go to college when the um, when that dance is happening. And so this is Harry's like his the the last dance of the year for when he's graduating high school. Mm-hmm. So then Harry was supposed to work at the building and loan, right. take his brother's place. While George goes to college, and then, you know, and George was going to, you know, travel the world and, and all of that. And, um, and he wanted to build things and be an architect. Um, but that's the night that their father died. Yeah. So, but before their father died, it's when Mary and George really connected. And, you know, and so, but then everything changes when their father dies and so then they're having he, George. George's life is is sidetracked from where he thinks he's going to go to college and to travel the world, um, because he has to take he has to stay there and and put the building alone, you know, make sure that all the pieces are there for it to continue. 
And so he's there over that summer. So he was supposed to go uh, go on a trip, um, you know, tra travel. I think he was going to work, work over on a cattle boat or something and then go to college. But he spent that time at the building alone, making sure that it was, you know, that everything after his father passed away, that it was going, you know, that everything was happening the way that it should be, the way that his father would want it to be. Sure. And then that's when the board said, we'll, let, we'll keep the building and loan going if you are the executive director for it. So there goes his whole plans for college. Yeah. And so he's, he gave his money to Harry. Harry went to school for four years, got married, didn't tell anybody. It's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it sets Boys. up a theme of like, <laughs> I know, it, I think it sets up a theme too of you know not being like he. It seems like he's always thinking of everybody else, but they're not always thinking of him in the same way, or at least that's his perception. Yeah. In this case, you know, why would he not have let him know? He knew what the plan was. He knew what George wanted to do. So why not include him on that? And but then he feels like, well, what can I say? Like in front of his new wife, right. like, I didn't want y'all to get married. Right. You know. Right. So you know, and of course Mary's happy because that's keeping him there. And, right. You know, so it's kind of like, yeah, I think there's just many moments in the film where he's feeling slighted and it's kind of passed over kind of quickly it is. and it, you really don't notice it until it builds up and he explodes you right know? Mm -hmm. right that's so true and but it, it kind of it, it but isn't that the way life is yeah you Those know there's curveballs. so many things that come at you and you're like oh well gosh I'm, that wasn't what I was planning to do. <laughs> yeah. I really but, don't think anyone's life ever comes out like they no. have to. If they are, if it does, they're very lucky people, but I, I don't it think doesn't, so. But you know what? But the, in those curveballs is where all of the magic happens. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think about things like, like he didn't want to go to that dance. If he didn't go through that dance, he wouldn't have seen Mary right. there looking so pretty and no, no, no. And I think about my own life. You know, I I was working the last um, Deep Ellum Film Festival in 2005, and and right before right before the festival was to happen on that Saturday, they had a um, a volunteer meeting, and I was like, oh gosh, I really don't have time to go to this, uh, you know. And then I was like, oh, but I need to go. I was just like going back and forth, going, oh, I don't have time, but uh, you know, I'm sure they'll introduce me and somebody will be. Well, poof, that's where I'm at, Mark. Oh, that's he, great. He was a volunteer at, at the Last Deep Ellum Film Festival. And it was like, well, what if I hadn't have gone to that m meeting? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, he should, still would have volunteered. Maybe we would have met. But, you know, I, but who knows? Right, right. And so those times in your life when you're like, eh, I really want to do that. Think twice because there may be a reason why you really should push yourself to go and you just don't know it yet. Yeah, I, I feel like in my life when I start to notice, and, and I don't think I'm like superstitious or anything like that, but I think that when I'm given an opportunity that feels a little out of the blue, I always kind of try to go to those things uh -huh. because of that. Because I have this thought of like, 
this is out of the blue. It's not part of my routine. Right. So something different could happen right. I mean, just by the nature of it being different. Right. Um, and so I think it's a good idea to be open to possibilities I like that. Because I think opportunities happen for everyone, but you kind of have to be open to them a little bit. You, you know? do. And you don't always know. You, you, you kind of can't know, oh, maybe I'll meet my future husband right. here. Because, <laughs> no, that doesn't always work. But you never know. You don't know. You don't know. So, yeah. So I... I, I love that, just being open to the possibilities, which, you know, is what, what George did in, yeah. that, in, in that moment. Um, and, you know, it's, it, but the, the, the very last scene where Harry comes in in a snowstorm and, you know, and says that line of, you know, to my, it's going to make me cry. <laughs> I know, me too. He says, you know, to my, you know, he, cheers, to, he was, they were toasting. Uh-huh. They said to my big brother, George, you know, the richest man in town. Yeah. Rich in people, you know. And, yeah. And, I mean, my gosh, aren't we all? Mm-hmm. You know, because you, you look at the people in your life and think, what? What what joys! What amazing! This it this is an, a wonderful life, and it's because of all that's brought to you, mm-hmm. and usually by people that are in your life that are just living their life. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it just strikes me. <laughs> oh, oh, I love that. <laughs> it, up. I like how different everyone is, and how other people in the movie kind of like make mistakes or do things you wouldn't expect. Earlier when you were talking about Violet, don't you feel like in other movies that character would really be like almost like demonized because yes. she's the other woman yes. and she's the, you know, I mean, it's subjective, but the prettier, they kind of play up that the entire town wants her. Right. And so, and there's even like moments where he ends up giving her money, helping mm-hmm. her, and there's like that compromising scene yes. in the office. Um, and you kind of, I mean, in, in another movie, I think you would be setting up like this woman is a homewrecker and she's, you know, but it's like that doesn't happen with her at all. Violet is a good person. She she's is. a genuine person. And in, in a different way, he's not judging her by how she looks. Right. And right. I think that that's really cool, especially right. in an older film like that. Um, and um, I had another example. Oh, I liked, I guess this isn't along the same vein, but just in general, when uh-huh, you were talking sure. about the, the dance scene, uh-huh. I had heard that people criticized that. At, back then they said, you know, when the floor opens up and they all jump in the pool. And um, it's kind of a weird scene when you think about it um, because it's just so random. But uh, people were like, oh, that's corny. That would never happen. And they're like, actually, it's a it, real place. It's a real place. And that pool's really there still. It is there. <laughs> I have some friends that, that went to that school. Actually, oh, it's okay. at... It's at the Hollywood High School. Oh, Hollywood it High School. It is okay. right off of um, Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, okay, and, okay. And it's right across the street from Mel's. Um, we we mm-hmm. we're by there all the time with the TCM uh, Classic Film Festival, and we have some friends that that went to that high school, and it was really built. Um, that that it's still there. Sounds and, so expensive and like inconvenient. Like just doesn't seem you know you just don't see that a lot at a high yeah. school. Yeah, well, and they they give George the credit for it oh. because George built that, you know, in, in the movie. movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I realized that they because the the principal says yeah we're gonna use that new floor tonight the one oh. that that you had the idea of. Oh, right, because um, he's an architect, or he wants to be. Yeah, yeah, he wants to be. Okay. And so, and did you realize 
You know who that was dancing with Mary? Yes. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you say it. Oh, That's Alfalfa. I didn't realize that until I today I was watching the behind the scenes. And yeah. I was like, oh, he kind of still looks the yeah, same. Yeah, he looks the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Alfalfa from our gang. Uh, so, and, and the thing is, the other thing I want to br- bring up, um, which is something that is not in our culture anymore, um, but at the dance, when Violet is there, she is saying, she's, she is basically auctioning off a third of a dance. And okay, I read this, and I didn't really feel like I understood it, so okay. explain it to me. I'm yeah. going to explain it to you, and I have visual aids, too, I can show you. <laughs> awesome. So, when, when you would go to a dance, you would have a dance card. So, when you've probably heard somebody yeah, say, my dance, my dance full. full. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you would get a card, you would get a card and a little pencil and you would like wear it around your wrist or in your little purse and you would fill in the dances with people that were, um, that you wanted to dance with. Like possible suitors. and stuff, Yes. You know. Yes. And so, so every dance had a number. So number one, you would dance with this person. Number two, you would dance with this person. Number three, you would dance with this person. And usually it always changed. And, you know, you've, you've seen people in movies where they tap someone on the shoulder mm-hmm. and because, you know, they want, they basically are saying, I want to dance with, with your partner. Um, and that was always frowned upon because of these dance cards. It's like, well, you, you're not, you're, you know, you are on my dance card, so I am guaranteed this dance. I see. Okay. But Violet... Who, of course, all the guys want to dance sure. with. So she is saying a third of a dance. So basically, instead of saying, you know, okay, um, uh, Bobby McGee uh, gets, gets you know, the slot number one. And then, you know, Charlie Smith gets the slot number two. She is saying, I will dance with three different guys in that, in that one dance. So she's saying a third of a dance. Yeah. She's saying so like I will dance. Yeah, yeah, I'll sit. I'll dance with you for a third of a song. <laughs> and I'm switching because there's so many. There's so many people who want to dance with me. That's hilarious. Okay, <laughs> that's what like that means. Okay, I was like, I, I kind of know what it means, but that that clarifies it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Good. Good. It 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 was it was something that I knew I knew it was something that didn't dawn on me until like just very recently that that's what she was saying Mm. and and so the fact that i was like able to capture something new right about that film after having seen it you know like my whole life you know Mm -hmm. 40 years of (laughs) seeing this film and i capture something new about it well i think it's just it's a very detailed film i mean Mm -hmm. i think people kind of take it for granted i think a little bit because we've all seen it so much yeah it's almost like you forget the the technical side of it is so interesting the background of that and then just the detail that went into the story itself right i don't think we've mentioned yet that this entire movie is based on a short story called the greatest gift which didn't do very well so the guy that wrote it uh sent it in christmas cards to like 200 people or something right and rko was like oh man we need to uh we need to do this you know they bought the rights to it 
but ultimately they sold them to Capra because they just couldn't figure out what to do with it. Right. Um, and that's the movie that we have. So yeah. we're lucky that it went through all that to it, get to we, where we yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm so thrilled to have been able to talk about this in such in depth because you know normally when I have conversations about this film it's usually little tidbits here and there sure and never this full-on conversation about it so I'm just thrilled that you asked me to talk of about course. it were there were there any other scenes that you kind of feel stand out that you want to Oh boy! I know it's hard because it's daunting. It's like it is, you like every scene, right? It, it, well, one thing that I do think is interesting is, you know, this was this film was made during the production code. Okay. Which means in 1933, when um, you've heard of pre-code films, mm-hmm. perhaps. Well, pre-code is before July, Ju- June, July, 1933, when they forced the code so the code meant that if somebody did something wrong if there was if there was a um if there was a crime committed or something then they had they had to show them being paying for that crime oh so they were like moral rules that the the movie has to follow in order to meet these guidelines okay yes very good okay very good (laughs) so if you think about it um and again, I don't want to, you know, oh, no, give you anything can. away. You but can. Can. anyway, but so Mr. Potter, he is, when he is approached by, when he approaches um, Uncle Billy and, you know, Uncle Billy is showing the um, the headline of the newspaper of, oh, what are those Bailey boys up to now? Oh, goodness. Well, George, you know, uh, you know, he's talking about Harry coming home. He's got the Congressional Medal of Honor and... And, you know, and, and Mr. Potter's like, well, what about George? And he was like, oh, well, George, you know, is bursting his, his buttons off of his vest because he's so proud. And, and then he hands him back the paper with the payment that he was taking to the bank, to put right. in the bank. Yeah. And it's, so it's inside of Mr. Potter's paper. But, Mr., uh, but Uncle Billy is such a forgetful person that he has no idea that he did that. And it's just a slight. It's anybody could have done that. It doesn't yeah. have to be just Mr. or Uncle Billy who is forgetful. Anybody could have done that. But Mr. Potter, he sees the $8,000. He sees Uncle Billy going to the teller and saying, you know, and trying to give the money. And he's like, well, normally it's, it's usual for you to bring the money with you to that you're going to deposit into the bank. And then Uncle Billy's like, well, it's right here. Well, where did it go? He doesn't know that he did that. And Mr. Potter then sees all the trouble that he's going through. And he knows why George is disheartened. But he never gives that money back in yeah. the film. And that's against the production code. So he doesn't directly pay for it, is what you're saying. That's yeah. that's the problem. He needed we needed to see on screen him pay for that mistake or that action. And so Saturday night, Saturday Night Live, <laughs> <laughs> in like the '90s, I think, has a version. Oh yeah, I I Ms. Dana Carvey. Yeah, Jimmy Dana Stewart. Carvey yeah, and. Yeah, yeah. 
That's like one of my favorite. It's so funny you say that. I've seen that sketch Bill so Hartman many times. And, oh yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Uh, and um, uh, what's his name? Uh, his name flew out of my head. The guy playing Mr. Potter. Um, anyway, um, so they show an alternative ending yes. that makes <laughs> Mr. Potter pay for. Yeah, for what he did. Yeah. So that is worth checking out. Yeah, I do after like that after you one. see the film that because one's good. It, even if you love the film as much as I do, that is hysterical. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. I, that's so funny. I, I always loved on SNL when Dana Carvey. He was like one of my favorite yes. regulars, and whenever he'd be Jimmy Stewart, those were like some of my favorite sketches. But, Absolutely, um, me too. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, when you talk about that mistake that Billy makes, mm-hmm. Uncle Billy. Um, I feel like that's such a heartbreaking part of the movie when George is really just like losing his cool on him. Like, how could you make such a stupid mistake? Like, you silly old fool, he calls him. Oh, it's so painful to watch. And it's like, I love the way that the movie has so much compassion for Billy, you know? Because it's like, like you're saying, that could happen to anybody. And it's just a mistake. There's really nobody to get angry at other than Potter. Right. Um, But... I think that that's a good moment, like, to see that, to see somebody make a big mistake and, you know, that we should really have sympathy for them and compassion and give them a pass, basically, like, hey, we need to just forgive him and move on and not sit around and punish him. Let's just find a solution. And I like that. Well, and George takes it on himself. Yeah. Because when he goes to Mr. Potter and he says, you know, I... I have the, I, I don't know what I've done. I've, there's been a mistake in, in the books. And he was like, and Mr. Potter brings it up and he says, you don't know what you've done. And he says, no, I don't know. I don't know how we've misplaced this $8,000. And he catches him because he knows it's Billy. And he says, he says, well, you don't know what you've done. He takes it on himself. And that's his mistake. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wow. Yeah. That, again, shows the character right. of who George Bailey is. Yeah, because Potter in this movie, he's kind of like Scrooge if Scrooge never had that night. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, some of my favorite scenes are actually, you know, George standing up to him and giving him a little yes. piece of his mind, which yeah. I feel like, ironically, <laughs> a lot of the things he says are still so relevant to today. Yes. Um, yes. In, in such a way that there are some people that don't necessarily like <laughs> yes. that part of the movie. Yeah. But, um I feel that to Potter, maybe the way he justifies what he did is he's had this completely opposite philosophy of Bailey's family his whole life. And so, you know, he's always saying you you make bad decisions. You invest in people that you shouldn't. Yeah. For example, Billy. Yeah. Um, right, and right. You, do, you don't think like a businessman and that's why you're always failing. So it's kind of like he sees Billy get that, you know, accidentally give him that money. And he's like, this is just another example of you. Trusting people that you shouldn't because you love them and not because they lead to profits. And, you know, there's sort of an anti-capitalist bit there. That's so true. That's so true because you're thinking, why would you give them that much money to Uncle Billy to entrust him with $8,000? When you know he, like, owns a squirrel and a crow. And, like, it's kind of weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and he wears wears little, little ribbons around his fingers to remind him of of things he needs to remember. He forgets to go to George's oh, yeah. wedding because <laughs> he just forgets. Yeah. 
And so, but they've entrusted him with that money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, $8,000, oh, I wish I had $8,000. Yeah, I wouldn't turn it down. <laughs> no. But it was definitely more back then. <laughs> Way more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so funny. But I, I just like that lesson mm-hmm. of, like, valuing people even when they make mistakes. Yeah, you know, and absolutely. that's that's something that Potter doesn't understand the whole right. movie. And even in the end, the way that sort of things work out for George is because he's invested so much in this town and these people and they truly love him and they really they want to see him succeed. Right. You know, and I think Potter's angle is like you can give and give and give to people and they're never gonna return it. So you need to just figure out how to get the most you can out of people. Right. And he's got a really different philosophy. But, I mean, whose funeral would you rather attend, right? right. You know, Potter or George? And so that's kind of the theme of the film is, like, people matter more than just what they bring financially to the table. Which is, I think, like, that was such a different idea, even back then, to where I read something. Maybe you can fact check okay. me on this. But I read that, like, the FBI sent out, like, this warning of, like, hey, this message is, like, super against the upper class, and it makes, like, the really? most... Really? Yeah, that's what I read. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> that's fascinating. No, well, I didn't know that. Somebody in our group, I think it was Devin Pike, he mm-hmm. said that his father also... His father, his grandfather, hated this film and, like, would not allow it to be shown because it was just oh. so, in his mind, like, anti capitalism oh, that it was spreading some evil message which is so funny because i'm gonna have to talk to Devin. yeah <laughs> well no, he doesn't feel that way he said okay. his great grand his grandfather did okay uh, but yeah he was i said it's weird because sure i mean if i'm honest i have certain ideas <laughs> but yeah. we all do but also i think at its core it's not necessarily trying to move an agenda so much as it's just saying consider your fellow man yeah in the same way that i think a christmas carol is also kind of that same message yeah and i don't think people necessarily put that light on it of like oh this is an agenda right. but I think because we've had so much time away from it even though probably when A Christmas Carol was written people were like oh this is anti-rich you right, know? Right. and we don't like this um, and so because this came out a little sooner than that you know closer to our time people back then saw it politically but I mean really any anything that you write is going to have somebody's agenda in yeah, it. Yeah, of so, course, of but course. But I think, you know, most people don't necessarily uh, have such strong feelings about right. it. <laughs> right. But I just thought that was funny when he said that, you know. That's fascinating. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up because yeah. I didn't know that. I see, I love learning new things. And, I mean, my gosh, I've watched this film, you know, hundred, uh, literally hundreds of times and, and actually just saw it recently at um, Alamo at uh, the beginning of December with uh, uh, Carolyn Grimes there who plays Zuzu. And she um, uh, she brought up so, a couple of things. I was like, what? <laughs> um, they, um, she, and I've noticed this, but I've never, I always kind of considered it a mistake. Okay. But... She she said, okay, when she when she hands when Jimmy Stewart takes the petals okay. and puts them in his pocket, oh, yeah, yeah. she is watching him put them in his pocket. But it seems like he tricked her. Right. Well yeah, well and the thing is is that she said, I know that, that scene we we filmed that scene at least five times. 
And Frank Capra chose the one where, where she's, she's see she watches him. No, I never I didn't notice that. Put him in his pocket. But and what she's what she thinks is that, you know, even though Zuzu sees her dad put him in his pocket and then say, I'm fixing quote unquote, I'm fixing the, the flower here. Now it's better. I'm gonna put it in the glass of water and give it a drink. Um she believes him because he's her father. She believes him so much that he, she doesn't call him on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I always, I always thought that was, um, you know, a, a a blooper, a mistake oh, yeah. in the film. Yeah. But seeing that, for having that, having her insight of that, and and now knowing that he had several. Takes he could takes have chosen, he could chosen yeah. from you know it really make, makes a difference, and the other thing is that she said, um, which I didn't know, um, was that um, in the final scene where you know they're bringing all that money and everything and um, and so they've got that laundry basket full of money. Oh yeah, and yeah. there's all the people that are coming to to bring money. He she said, Mister Welch is in that crowd. Oh. Mr. Welch was her teacher's husband who he who George berated over the phone. Oh. And then Mr. Welch Mr. Welch saw him at Martinis and just saw the state he was in. And well, and but he saw him at Martinis and he said, "Which Bailey is that?" He said, "This is Mr. George Bailey." And then he socked him. Yeah, and he goes. He goes. Well, I guess I got I got a a punch in the face for for a prayer, and Clarence says, "No, I'm the answer to your prayer." Mm. He's but he right after he said that prayer is when he got socked in the face. Yeah, okay. By okay. by Mr. Welch, huh. and Mr. Welch was in that crowd, oh, which okay I think is really interesting. She was like. Basically, it's showing that even though they had this disagreement, he needed help. He was able to, like, put that aside. And, and, and again, like, we're seeing George's bad day. Yes. And maybe since then he's heard, like, this is a really difficult time. Yeah. He's not acting like himself. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, um, it's, it's little things like that yeah. that just really kind of make it go, wow. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm trying to think um, if there's any little scenes like that that I really like. Um, I mean, I like the scenes where we meet uh, the angel, Clarence. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, and he's got that, I think he mentions that like he died in the clothes he's wearing, yes. right? And just stuff like that. Um, so I, I kind of like, every time I watch it, I think about like the... I guess, like, the history of angels in this universe. Yes. And how, you know, like, I just can't help but think about that. Like, yeah. you know, when did he die and how did he die? And But <laughs> I, I think it's a small part of the movie. But I like that little detail of, like, he's got those older clothes yes. to kind of show that he died a while ago. Yes. You well, know? he said, I'll be 270. Oh, that's right. Yeah. To next May or whatever it was. <laughs> it was like, how, how, how old are you? <laughs> Yeah, that's so funny. He's he's the, the casting in this film is just spot on. Yeah, everyone has. There's so many characters that have just like one scene or two scenes, but Frank Capra really went out of his way to get you know 
really seasoned character actors. Yeah, I and love I think that. It, it makes those tiny scenes they're in so memorable. They're mm-hmm. not like throwaway background people, right, you know. Right, right. Um, and the the movie I think too is still so funny. Do you, like, do you oh feel yeah. Like the humor hasn't really it hasn't aged badly. It's like when you watch it now. It's still just as funny to me. Yeah, as when I was it younger. is to yeah. me too. That's great. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, still relevant, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I always think it's funny when you're talking about earlier. People will talk about like old movies. I always find it disappointing when I've talked to someone. They say like, "Oh, I don't really watch old films, or I don't watch anything from like pre, you know, 1980 or something." And I'm like, "Why? Oh, you like you're missing so out many. on so." many movies that way yeah I mean, it's just you know i'm cheating yourself <laughs> you are i really uh i really try to remind people that if you haven't seen it it is new to you mm-hmm. i saw a film last night um we have a dallas classic film group that um uh we get together once a month and and go over and watch 16 millimeter films oh uh, that's really cool yeah. that's awesome you'll have to come with me okay I, I anyway <laughs> we saw a film i'm i i am personally not really into uh film noir okay um it's just hasn't been a genre that has connected with me but we saw a film last night called murder my sweet okay um uh it was uh dick powell's when i I think they said it was his first because he was a he was a, a song and music man okay so he was in Busby Berkeley musicals in the 30s and and then he made a total switch and became um became basically um a, a detective and so he's like in all of these detective kind of films and um Murder My Sweet is is one of one of those films and, you know, it's like, well, I've never seen, I've heard about this, you know, for years, I've never seen it. And it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. It was, it was so fascinating. And to see the, the different characters, um, the different actors that I've seen in other things, you know, bring to life a different character. Uh, I, it's, it, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm like. Yes, introduce me to a new film, and it doesn't have to be new to everybody. It just can be new to me, mm-hmm. and and yeah, that's that that's an important that's such an important part of who I am. Is I I I love to embrace new new films, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, whether they are films that are only on the festival circuit or they're new films because I haven't seen them in their classic films, right. You know, um, we watched Going My Way, uh, the Bing Crosby film, which won a bunch of uh, Academy Awards uh, the year that it came out. And I was like, I've never seen that. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like there's so many more films out there to watch. Yeah. And why limit yourself? Why yeah. say, oh, I don't want to watch a black and white movie. I don't want to watch once it starts and once you really get into it, you don't even notice Yeah, that it's a black and white. I agree. Yeah, 100%. And it's also like a time capsule, you know, in a way. I yeah. like that about it because then it makes me want to kind of get online and, and read a little bit about that time and yes. what was going on and what people were thinking. And it gives you a new perspective on the movie, too. Absolutely. It can actually make you look at an entire genre. I think we talked about that when we talked about Meet Me in St. Louis, right? That, Probably. That, that was a, a time in filmmaking where 
movies were like super happy and very Americana because yes. people were bummed and they wanted to be because it their was, spirits lifted. It was yeah. during the war. Yep. Was, that mm-hmm. was 1944. Smack dab in the middle of the war. They didn't know it was about to, it's going to end in 1945. Right. So it's kind of like maybe somebody nowadays goes, oh, this is too chipper. This is too this or that. But then when you have that context, you see the entire movie differently. Yeah, you, know? you really so. do. Because it's important to put yourself in the shoes of the people who were who that film was made for at right, that time, right? Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's that's the same with with watching things that are you know kind of kind of that we would think oh you know that aren't um, uh, PC now mm-hmm. because. It's the way things were then. Yeah. If anything, it can give you context for why we made the changes yes. we made today. Yes. Too, is like, and it's good to know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't know history, you're you're doomed to repeat it. Yeah, exactly. And so it's good to know why why we do things. Because yeah. believe me, all of our lives, we, we, we come into life and it's the middle of the story. So there's always things that have happened before us. Sure, yeah. That's a good way of putting it, yeah. You know, when I was little, when I was little, we would see these um, these TV commercials with an Indian crying, one tear, because he was oh, standing, yeah. okay, I remember he was those, standing yeah. amongst a bunch of trash on the beach or at the park or whatever. And, um, and to think about, okay, that's where I came in. Well, people before that, we're just leaving. We're just, leave, you know, it's like they would go in a picnic and leave all their trash. Reminds me of there. Anchorman. You remember that movie? Yes. <laughs> Where he's like throwing all the trash out the window. Well, yeah. I mean, because, you know, it's like, and now we're we're paying for that. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, it, but it's like we have stepped into, we've stepped into life while the story has been going. Yeah, yeah. And, I like that. That's, a, so that's good for that's, perspective. Yeah. And, a movie, and we're talking about a movie that's all about perspective. Yes, yes. we are. <laughs> and it all comes back around. <laughs> exactly. And I think I um, maybe, or do you have other scenes you want to kind of, or you kind of, do you feel? Uh, I want to keep the scenes of him uh, during the transformation kind of okay. in case somebody hasn't seen it. Okay, okay. Because I think that there's a lot there that um, is good to discover on your own. Okay, I like that. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, I think they're, like I was saying earlier, I think they're very, scenes that are like a little hard to watch, especially when he's at his lowest. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the, that the director and the writers and Jimmy trust the audience to go on that journey with him yes. to where he's redeemed in the end because you know you could watch it at the end and be like well I don't care I saw him say all that horrible stuff to you know different people yeah. like why would I be on board with this guy but it's played and written in such a way that you can do that so right. yeah right right I um I'm trying to think um if there is another scene that I would want to highlight um. Everyone, I keep thinking about is in in that that middle scene, oh, you know, okay. when yeah. he's, you know, when he, when he's, okay, George, you've never been alive, <laughs> you've never <laughs> been born, or whatever he yeah. says. Um. Again, very uh, very like Christmas Carol. Yeah. 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 I think so. I like movies like that that have sort of like different time. 
mm-hmm. different time periods within it. Yes. There's a little bit of time travel, a little bit of magic. I, I that like may that, that may be because when I was growing up, um, Back to the Future was so popular. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so it's like I feel like I keep like gravitating towards movies that kind of have that element oh, of sure. like, those same ingredients. And maybe just because they work so well, they keep being reinvented, uh, you know? Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, if you uh, if not, then maybe I'll ask you my last couple of questions. Okay. Then. Okay. Okay. So we've talked about this this whole time. So you've this is sort of a summation of what you've just talked about. Okay. Um, what what is it about this movie, you know, that keeps you coming back to it? Why do you think you've seen it as many times as you have? Oh boy, I know it's a tough one. It's like how, how do I summarize that? It is. <laughs> um, you know. I, it just, over the years, and, you know, like I said, I think I started watching this maybe when I was, like, eight. Uh, uh, that's that's just kind of the age that, that really... Um, when you remember it, like, when, the most vividly. Yeah, yeah, when I started watching it. And so going from, basically going from eight to 18 to 28 to 38 to 48, it's, it has been, it's the same story, but seeing it at different, different times of my life yeah, and how I relate to it, it hasn't necessarily changed, which I think is fascinating. Although I get so much more out of it with each viewing. Um, and it's really kind of made the um the aspect of watching a film when I watch films multiple times I watch it from different points of view like we had talked about and one film that I want to mention that I did this with was The Joy Luck Club oh I love that movie I do too we should do that one I love that (laughs) movie I've seen that so many times now The Joy Luck Club when I I saw it when it came out of the theater and when I saw it, I was like, wow, there's so much in this film because it's basically following four families, mm-hmm. the the daughter, the mother, and the grandmother's lives. So it's like four times three, you know, so 12 different lives that you're following in this one film. So basically what I decided to do is I watched it at the theater. I went back and watched it again like the next day or the next two days or so. And I ended up seeing it about six or seven times within two weeks. Wow. Because each time I said, I want to go and I want to watch based on this family's, I want to watch this family. I'm concentrating on this family within the film. So this one family, and then the second daughter and her family, and I did that through each one, and I was, I, it's it's really just overwhelming, to uh, how much they were able to get into that film, yeah, and it be and it be you know complete, and you don't feel like anybody was left to the side, like you know there's no one there's no one story that was left incomplete, right? Yeah, and it's only. Probably like two hours, right? Yeah, yeah. Really, uh, maybe a little bit longer more, than that. Yeah. But but not, I mean, it's not five hours. Right. <laughs> and for 12 lifetimes, you would think it would I'm, be. Right, yeah. right. Huh. And so, and then seeing how how that 
rolled down, you know, from the grandmother's life to the mother's life to the daughter's life. And um, it was during that time of, of um, when Joy Luck Club was at the theater that I had come up with watching uh, It's a Wonderful Life from Mary's point of view. Oh, okay, okay. So then I started doing it with other films. Oh, and like this that. is this so this is what this this is this is part of it's part of that foundation for me mm-hmm. of of just um, another way to watch films, you know, because we all think, well, of course, we're seeing the same film like you, you and I are seeing the same film. But you get different things out of it. Yeah. And I think there is something special about movies like this that that like you're saying, they sort of grow up with you. Yes. Um, and the meaning of the movie can can change because you've changed. Yes. And yes. you're a different person when you see it the next time. So obviously you're going to get something different out of it. I definitely feel, you know, when I was a kid, I really liked it. But I think as I get older, it starts to be emotional to me because I feel like I resonate so much with the heart of the film. It's yeah. like a lot of things that I talk about um, that I believe yeah. personally, you know, I share a lot of times, like I always say, you know, you don't always get, you don't always earn the opportunities you get. You know, I've, yeah. I've heard a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome and that's like where you don't feel like you earned your spot. You know, my thought on that is maybe you didn't. Maybe somebody saw something in you and they lifted you up to a different level. That's so true. And instead of focusing on whether or not you quote unquote deserve it, why don't you just be grateful for that? You know, mm-hmm. just be like, wow, I'm so lucky. Somebody. And recognize yeah. it. Recognize it and Tell those people mm-hmm. that you appreciate that because half the time people don't know. Right. If you that, don't say out loud, I'm, I'm so thankful for you. you yeah. Know? So I'm so happy about what you did for me. They don't know. It's like I think we all kind of assume people know. Like, well, they did something nice for me. They know. But it's like you really need to go back and tell that person because mm-hmm. you just don't know the impact that you're going to have even just by thanking them. Yeah. You know? And so I feel like this movie really resonates with me because I think it's about that. It's mm-hmm. about investing in, in people and in relationships and how that's just as important, more important really yes. than money. And I definitely already feel that way. So the whole movie, I'm like, yes, just keep preaching and like tearing <laughs> yeah, up. And when he yells too. at Potter, I'm like, that's right. You know? But um, <laughs> right. I love that, you know, and to see it so rewarded in the film is just so heartwarming. And, yeah. I mean, I just keep going back to it because I feel like it's sort of just on brand for me. So it feels personal. Like we were talking so about earlier, true. I didn't have anything to do with it. I wasn't born when it came out. <laughs> Um, but I feel connected to it because the message, you know, feels important to me. And because I grew up with it, I watched it so many times that it starts to blend into the background of my own life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And I did think of a scene that I wanted to bring up. Um, so there's a scene where, um, uh, they're, they're actually celebrating, um, Harry and Ruth's um, wedding anniversary. Oh, I love that scene. I cry and, in that one too. <laughs> and so they're they're celebrating that they're that they're married, mm-hmm. and now she's meeting all the family and everything. So it's at the end of that celebration, and you know, and Harry, uh, I mean, sorry, Uncle Billy's drunk, and mm-hmm. so he looks at George and he says, "Can you give me my hat?" And he takes it off of his head and he holds it in his hand. He's like, "Which one is it?" He said, "The middle one." And so he's established that yes, he's drunk. Uh, so he, he takes his hat and puts it on his head and he's like, can you lead me, lead me down the path I'm supposed to go to? So he says, go that way. And off, uh, as he's walking off 
the camera, off the off the scene, there's a a um, a crash. Uh-huh. And actually, it sounds like it sounds like Billy has run into a pile of trash cans, empty trash cans. But actually, it was one of the stagehands off to the side that that dropped a bunch of stuff. Yeah, just at the right precise at moment. The moment. And so, and then Billy, Uncle Billy says, "I'm all right. I'm all." That was all improvised. Oh yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And so, I mean, and Jimmy Stewart's looking over, and he's just kind of cracking up, and it's still rolling. And so he's like, you know, laughing and. Um, and then going on, I you know it's the 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 opportune moment that that has happened. Uh, it, it, it's just perfectly placed, and it was it was improv. Yeah, it was, that's true. It was okay. like taking something that happened that wasn't supposed to happen and and working with mm-hmm. it. I love those kind of behind the scenes you know, stories too. with all movies because happy accidents. I do too. Yeah. 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 Um, I was saying that it makes me cry when uh, they're about to go on that honeymoon. They give all the money away and then they go back to that dilapidated house. Yes. The whole town is invested in making sure he has a good night. Yeah. Which I think in, in any other movie would feel, I think, a little too corny, right? But because Perhaps. they've yeah. set up who George is and what he means to this town, I literally tear up every time. Oh, I do too. I do too. <laughs> yeah. I do too. I, I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, so my last question then yes. is uh, what is your pitch? Like, what's your elevator pitch? Pretend that there's someone in this world that has not seen this movie. Uh, what would you say to them? Like, what would you say the movie's about, or how would you get them to see it? First of all, I would say, I would say, if they haven't seen it at this point, I would say, find a theater, watch it mm-hmm. in a theater, because we get so distracted these days. And if, absolutely, and yeah. and it, and if you watch it on TV, uh, NBC has now picked up its uh, the copyright. Okay, and so it is on NBC. Um, oh. I think two or three times during the Christmas holiday, they they have one at, at least that one at the beginning of the of December, and then they'll have one like Christmas Eve or so. But there's commercials, there's yeah. you know all of that. I would say if it's possible to watch it in a theater, and then also um, to go with somebody who loves it. And, you know, we, we actually, um, we adopted a girl out of foster care when she was 15 and she had never seen it. She had seen it, she had seen it on TV and, you know, it's like one of those people that was like, oh, oh, it's a black and white movie. I don't want to watch that. And wouldn't, wouldn't sit and watch it. So we, we had her come and, and watch it at the theater. We went to Texas theater and, and watched it. And so her and her best friend, um, uh, and they loved it. Mm-hmm. They loved it. If you let it, you have to watch the. It's different pacing. We have we have cutaway pacing, uh, um, pacing, um, with lots of edits these days. And you know, and there's always you know something, something 
blowing up or crashing or yeah, you know it's like they, they they feel this pressure in movies now to fill up every single minute with something that's essential quote unquote yeah and it's it doesn't give you a lot of time to breathe whereas older films the pacing is much slower yes giving you time to di- digest a scene i think yes um, absolutely and I prefer that so and so that's why i say go see it in a movie theater mm-hmm. because you're less likely to be distracted you that is your one focus and um, and basically just to just to let it wash over you, I you know don't go in thinking okay what am I'm gonna have to learn some lessons here you know yeah. it's like don't don't <laughs> even think you know it's like just leave that at the door, and and just let it all wash over you because it's um uh, and then see and then talk about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's what I think the joy of going to any movie is. Part of it is, you know, what what did you get out of it? Let's watch, you know, let's watch it together, and then let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. I love that. I know we talk about a lot on the show, especially every time I have Christopher on. Shout out to Christopher if you're listening. <laughs> Hi. Um, he always says, you know, get to a theater. Yes. Um, he's very big on the theater and the fact that the audience has an energy yes. that you really don't get if you see it at home. No. And I know it's tough. I mean, we all live in this age of streaming. Netflix movies are winning Oscars, you know, yes. and, and I'm not against that at all. No, um, and it's hard for me to leave, too. But I try really hard to push, you know, and emphasize to my friends and family as well that you really need to get in a building with other people. It, it actually is a pretty social activity to it see is. a movie if you make it one right Um, so yeah i agree right you only gain from sharing experiences about that movie with others i mean that's the whole point of this podcast right yeah right so so, um so please go out there and do that and create memories with your own friends and family yeah I, I, i like that um i mean you know for me i would say i think that this movie is you know a classic absolutely obviously um but i think that um sometimes people he see the word classic and they're like, oh, so I'm like obligated to watch this movie. I have to. But it's like they're there for a reason. Right. You know? And especially if um, some of the people in our group are, you know, potential filmmakers or want to be involved, you know, go back to what works. Right. Absolutely. You know, learn from the, the greats, the mm-hmm. people that did it back when. Uh-huh. Um, so I just think, I don't know, I've, I've I can't get tired of this movie. I've seen it so many times. Mm, thank you. And I want everyone that sees it to experience that. Yeah. Uh, but you kind of, like you said, you sort of have to have your own journey with it. And one helpful way would be to go with someone that enjoys it. So yes. I agree with that. So, okay, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> so we're seeing it next year. Yeah. In the theater. Turn, turn this laptop off and watch it right now. Huh? <laughs> Maybe later I might watch it at home. Um, I do own it. So. Um, but but Kelly, thank you so much for you know setting aside this time to talk about it. We're sitting here actually in your uh, in your dining room right now. I'm looking at some of your "It's a Wonderful Life" memorabilia, which we've talked about in this episode, and I'll definitely post pictures of that so you guys can see it too. But um, I really appreciate that oh, you came, and thank we need you. To, we need to come back again. Oh, anytime. Yeah. I I I love this. I love talking to you. I love working with you. Uh, I'm I, I'm so honored that that you're a part of my press corps. You you have a different perspective than when most of, most of the time they're all guys, and I'm like, oh, come on. So I appreciate you so much, and I just uh, it, it, I love working with you. And for me to be be the spotlight, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're like, sign me up. Right. 
right. Yeah, well, no, I mean, along the lines of what we were talking about earlier, I really appreciate you yeah. um, and the opportunities you've given me because it's not like I walked in with, like, here's all my thousands of credentials. I mean, I have, like, a, a PR degree technically from yeah. MIT, um, but I didn't have all that experience, and you really kind of threw me in and have helped me so much. I feel like I've learned so much from you. Oh, good. And oh, it's so thank fun. You. It's so rewarding. Oh, you know? I'm so glad. I always think when it comes to stuff like this, you know, a lot of times, uh, I think I had somebody one time think that I was getting, like, paid to do the podcast, and I'm like, man, it is literally like a part-time or full-time job, yes. and you'll spend hours doing it. And it's not paid. And that's when you know you really love something. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, now I have the Patreon, which is amazing. It's very helpful because it's sort of made me recognize the fact that I do need a little bit of help with it. Um, but it is truly a, a labor of love. And I just enjoy doing it. And I think one of my goals was to try to involve myself and be active in our local film community. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that people listening will do that too and invest in their own hometown. Absolutely. Because you're needed. Like I think every single, you know, community like that, they need people. So Absolutely. get involved and hopefully this, you know, Absolutely. hearing from you will help them do that. I hope yeah. so too. <laughs> I hope so too. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.